that's what football is. It's like pure enjoyment, pure release. My 100% me is when I'm on the pitch, I'm in this state of flow and I'm competing and I'm just like, it's authentic. It takes you out of everything else that's going on, all the, all the bullshit, all the background. This is it. Let's just have an hour. And it's just pure. Another thing about Connor is that he, in fact, started a non-league football team. It's called Mill Lane AFC. This last season with Mill has been unbelievable in terms of finding that love for football again, playing more regularly again. I felt like I never wanted to play again after losing that final, but you go and you make another one the next year and, you know, you, you crack on. Like I said, my dad was a coach, so telling coach and your dad, I don't want to do what I've been doing for 10 years that I love doing, that was like, that's hard. Getting our boys to get for a 10 o'clock meet 10 minutes down the road is a nightmare anyway after they've been out. On the turn, like weak foot volley, and it's just sort of looped over the goalie into the far corner. And I just remember like people swarming on, you know Zidane in that Champions League final where he scored that volley? I, I felt like Zidane. <laughs> Talent doesn't always guarantee success. You need someone to, to gel it together. Hey everyone, welcome back to an all new episode of All About Sports, the podcast, a weekly sports podcast for the fans, by the fans. Joining me today is Krishnan. Hey everyone. And I am your second host, Mazhar. And it gives me immense pleasure to introduce our special guest for this week. It's Connor, Connor Barrett, one of my really good friends first and classmates as well from Loughborough University, London. Connor has a very different story in comparison to the average person, let's just say it like that. So Connor, in fact, has had the privilege to have played football for Loughborough University. And for all those who don't know, it's a big deal. Connor did his bachelor's, like me, in finance, worked in finance as well then decided to do, much like me again, said that he's done with finance, he wants to get out of it, decided to pursue his master's in sport business and leadership uh, at Loughborough, wants to work in sport. He's big on diversity and inclusion. In, in fact, he's also big on supporting disability. Uh, that's why he's our university's events officer for the disability support network as well. So... Connor, one thing I can tell you, for, and this is just a personal opinion and what I've learned about Connor is that he's highly driven, focused, and his football, his love for football and Chelsea Football Club specifically is unparalleled. <laughs> he, another thing about Connor is that he, in fact, started a non-league football team because of a lot of reasons which we'll get into during the podcast. It's called Mill Lane AFC. And he scores some screamers. I've seen a few videos and man, Connor can play football. I, and, and I've definitely got to say, I think Connor's the best person I have played with and against potentially. Not saying my, like, I mean, firstly, playing football in India, your benchmark is pretty low. But still, like coming here, he's definitely the best player I've played with. I thought you'd so, say Mimas. This really, really hurts my feelings. Krishna, you can't beat me at basketball. First beat me in that and then we'll talk about football. <laughs> <laughs> but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, but 
without further ado, I want to kick it off. Firstly, pleasure to have you, Connor. Thank you for making time. I know this is our dissertation period. We all have a lot of work to do. It's hard to get motivated to do it too. But, but let's get to it. So tell us about your love for football. Where did it start from? And your love for Chelsea as well. So first of all, unbelievable introduction. <laughs> you, can, you can write my personal statements or my job applications from this point on. Um, Happy to do so, Connor, anytime. Yeah, honestly, please do. My love for football came from when I was really young. I probably started playing when I was six or seven. My dad took me down local park to the local side. I ran around. Don't think I touched the ball the first like two, three training sessions. Just like had no idea what I was doing. And my dad's a QPR fan as well. So my dad, my granddad, my brother all sport QPR. If you don't know about London, QPR, West London, White City, Shepherd's Bush, similar to where we grew up, right next to Chelsea. Like when your dad's a QPR fan, the only team you shouldn't be able to support is Chelsea. So it was like I don't know how he let me get away with it, but <laughs> here we are. So, yeah, I, I don't really know how I started supporting them. Um, I think it was just a case of, obviously, Chelsea, big team, on telly a lot. I'm sat there as a youngster watching um, the team in blue against the team in red, and I'm just cheering the team in blue over red sort of thing. And you start to learn the players and the guy who scores the goals. And, you know, I think it's just come back off the back of a, a tournament or I've been watching England play with my dad and Lampard has scored this goal. And Lampard became my favourite player and I just sort of supported whoever Lampard played for. And fortunately for me, he played for Chelsea and not QPR. So <laughs> I, managed, <laughs> I managed to support a decent side and not go through the pain of supporting QPR my whole life. But yeah, the, the passion, I don't know whether the, the passion comes from. I think it's quite, for football fans, it's tribal, isn't it? But definitely in England, like growing up through school, everyone around my area supported Arsenal. So Obviously, Arsenal and Chelsea, huge rivalry. I'm always just fighting Chelsea's corner, like, yeah, we're, we're the bigger club, we're the better team, like, even though we sort of weren't, but I was just pushing it and pushing it. And, yeah, I just sort of fell in love with it. I, I went to a few games because the tickets are just like gold dust. So I think it was, it might have been 2007, I went to my first game. So I went and watched Chelsea play Arsenal, Carling Cup final at the Millennium Stadium in Wales, which is like, hell of a first game like you you can't do better than that so I went to that Chelsea won 2-1 there were like three red cards it was all a blur but like is that the Diaby one where Diaby got I think yeah, the idea the John Terry Diaby one yeah literally like you could not have picked a better game so after that I was just like absolutely hooked on it and I was a blue since then still am now which brings me to my next question you met Reese James recently and I know we spoke about this, but this is for everyone. So tell us mm. about your experience and what it meant to you as well. Yeah, so they say never meet your heroes, right? But it's completely wrong about Reese James and a lot of the others, actually, because it came about through an Instagram competition. You see them all the time, like, like this post, put it on your story, put a comment, and you might win this. And you, you try and you never win. You think, oh, it's a scam. No one ever wins these things. You've never seen anyone go. So I did one on like the Friday evening. And it was like, oh, you might come and watch Chelsea train on the Monday. And I was like, oh yeah, whatever. I'll just chuck my name in, see what happens. It's a small account. It's probably not even real. And didn't hear much over the weekend. And then Sunday I got sent through like, an itinerary, like turn up at the training ground at this time. 
whatever. So me and my mate just took a day off uni, turned up at the training ground in Cobham at about half 10. We got to interview Petr Cech for like half an hour in the press room. We watched training and we met like most of the first team squad afterwards, got photos, got signed shirt, chat to them, etc. It was just like the most surreal thing ever. Like the eight-year-old boy in me was literally just like absolutely ecstatic. It was just ridiculous. And um, yeah, so I've done a uni project on Reese James as well. We did the sustainability module right. and we talked about like sport for change, sport for society and all that. And Reese James has a foundation where he does loads of uh, helping his community. He's always been someone who I think just carries himself really well. England international, young boy, Chelsea through and through, like definitely one of my heroes and someone who when I watch my team play, he embodies what that's about. And just meeting and chatting to him, I was just like, you're nervous a bit because obviously they're like this big hero in your mind and then you're stood like a foot away from them and they're just like a normal person like you. But most of them were just like so personable, like had loads of time for us. It, it was honestly like a surreal day. But Reese, Mason, um, Edu Mendy, so friendly, so fun, like playing with like the younger kids that were there, taking photos, like staying way longer than they needed to, to stay. Like I think we'd been allocated like 10 minutes and half an hour on they're still there taking the time so no, it was it was unbelievable and just like a day you would never forget yeah I have those similar moments still still when I see a lot of the Indian cricket players like when I see Virat Kohli I'm just mesmerized to date and I don't know why it doesn't change I'm usually not or like I'm not starstruck typically but yeah, I, when you described the story, I was it was just taking me back as well to those moments where you can't. There's no rationality to explain it. No. It's just an overwhelming set of yeah. emotions. Which brings me to my next question. Now you played football at Loughborough, like I as I already mentioned earlier. You play as a midfielder, so Lampard being sort of your role model makes a lot of sense. What was your experience playing at Loughborough? And mm. how did it compare to playing before that at a school level? So school first, I guess. I went to an all-boys grammar school in Bucks. I played with people that were all similar to me, like similar education, family, like uh, affluence, wealth, like the same, like 2% of people. Like, and the, the school was quite like that anyway. Anyway. I don't know. I think I, I floated around like the A and B team, first and second, 11 a bit. I played a few school matches, played all over the place. I was sort of just that guy that would do a job, just wanted to play. Really enjoyed it at school, apart from maybe one or two games, which we'll pro- probably get on to later. And yeah, I, I, loved, I mean, I just loved playing football in any respect. So school was great. And then I got to uni and it was just like unbelievably overwhelming. The, the Not the step up in ability, but like the step up in, you're now picking from a pool of thousands that are coming to a sport university, playing on the best pitches, the best coaches. It's like, it's, it's almost like having like academy trials. It's really like intense. So when I was like 12 and 13, I had training sessions with Arsenal and Reading, not like, high level academy like development level like good coaching get some like four or five week development sort of thing then I got to uni and I had the first like the trials 
we had like an hour long debrief afterwards about the trials like oh the first 11 are looking for a striker the third 11 are looking for a right back and it was like well you've only named seven places and like 500 people have trialed like <laughs> what chance do I possibly have I'm trialing like I put my name down like you said centre midfield or I'll play right midfield or whatever got there and they were like oh like we've just got too many midfielders can you play right back so I played right back for a game I got through to the next round and played right back again and I was like having never played right back what am I doing at right back I'm a midfielder and sort of I played I played a right back for a bit I didn't get in in the first year I played again later on in a couple of games here and there fourth and fifth but it was just like the step up in pedigree was just like unbelievable I mean anyone who's been to the Loughborough campus knows there are just like world-class pitches everywhere and I mean in first year I didn't play for the uni so I played for my hall there are 16 halls I played for Folkeg which was class by the way as well such a great experience playing with your mates on like 4G pitch just rocking up and having a game um, and yeah like I said we're playing on 4G pitch next to like an actual stadium at the uni so like there's one day where we're having a kick about and we're like the rejects if you if you know what I mean like we didn't get into any of the teams we're like the bottom whatever percent on the pitch next to us is like the Celtic first team doing like a pre-season thing on the stadium pitch there's like elite athletes everywhere you're just like why like how did I get here sort of thing like it's just it's a huge step it's a huge step up and I think once I got used to that I really benefited from that but at first it is a lot a lot to take in one thing crazy about what Connor just said, and I definitely agree, is when you go there, you feel like a winner. It just imbibes something in you where suddenly you know there's history in this place. Like, you don't need to see anyone playing. You don't need to see anything. It's just one of those... You just get that feeling. Like, I walked into the swimming pool, I remember, and I was done. I was like, man, this... I felt like, you know, if I was training here every day, I can understand why I would want to medal and why I would want to train. When you see that gym, you're done. You're done. Yeah, you're like, you're this is where I want to be. This is my heaven. So, yeah. And then you go there and then you see the ECB Performance Center. Uh, it's crazy. And yeah. And when you see that football pitch, Celtic, come on. Yeah, I <laughs> like, like, I went to Loughborough last week and Forest Green Rovers were training. And I'm like, this team just got promoted to League One and they looked too good. So at that point, you're like, yeah. imagine you're literally, I walk past them and they're staring at me like, who's this guy? Why is he walking past us? And I, I was like, just there are surreal. Elite, elite athletes everywhere. Like there's Adam Peaty, there's Anthony Joshua, there's Dylan White, like ex pros. Dennis Wise does coaching down there. And even like, I remember one year, it was like a, the Derby 23s, obviously it's near Derbyshire, Derby 23s used to play on the stadium pitch and they played Arsenal. And Arsenal had a few injuries in the first team. So we all went down to watch. And Lauren Koscielny's playing. So it's like, he's playing 10 yards away from where we play. And he's like, played for France like 40 times. <laughs> and here's me, who's like just rocking up, playing like Saturday, Sunday. And I, I can just walk in and watch him for free. It's, oh, just, yeah, you just, you never lose that surprise of the elite performance level that's just around you like 90% of the time is is, is crazy Krishna 
I was going to say, I'm glad you brought up Laurent Koscielny because I feel like he's one of the more underrated defenders of like 2010-2015. I'm an Arsenal fan, so I'm biased, but I think he's a very underrated. He had an underrated peak, I will say. Um, (laughs) No, man, I was a fan. I was a fan. You know, I like defenders and central midfielders typically. So I was a fan of Koscielny. I thought he was a top defender. I thought he was, yeah. 100%. he and had. he had speed. He had a decent speed for a centre-back, which was nice to have for a change. United so, could do with a Koscielny right now. Not, right now. <laughs> not not the current Koscielny, but like a Koscielny-type player right now. We yeah. could definitely do with one. You could do with a lot, to be fair. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's not go there yet. I was Let's not go that. there yet. <laughs> but this is probably a good segue into... I'm going to ask a bit of a combination of questions, Connor. You've obviously been associated with football for some time now. I'm going to ask you two questions and you can answer it in whatever order you prefer. First, what's your least favorite memory in your football, like playing football so far? And then on the flip side of that, what's your favorite memory? The, the most positive one that you can remember? Uh, it's tough. That's tough. See, so Mav sent me, Mav told me I was going to have this, the least and most uh, enjoyable moment. The least, I couldn't pick one, so I've got a few. So not making the uni team at first, that was like a confidence knocker. Obviously made up for it later. The other two, there was one where I think when I was 13, we made it to the County Cup final, our Sunday team. And so my dad and another dad were like coaching it sort of together in the classic Sunday league way of the dad's the coach. And we were like, I think we were 2-1 up. And then the opposition scored. So we were playing at this big stadium, semi-pro stadium. Bear in mind, we're 13. The goals are full size, so no one can fill the goals. In the last minute, the opposition strikers scored in off the crossbar and the keeper can't even get near touching the bar. And then in extra time, the same player scores again where it goes in off the post, in the corner, lost 3-2, goals were huge. And you're just like, you felt so hard done by because... Like that was well over the bar 90% of the time in your season. Um, but that's just how it went. I think losing that was really tough because, like, you had the whole, all the families were out in the stands. It's just such a big day, like your first, like, real, like, big game when you were young. Um, so that was, that was a low point in terms of performance. And then there was probably maybe two years after that, there was a period where I didn't play for like six, seven months where I just sort of, I think I just lost my, my love of it for a bit. I didn't really know what I was doing. I think I was overwhelmed by how much I was playing, the level I was playing at, and just couldn't see, couldn't even motivate myself to go and play on a Sunday. I took really some time off, which was hard because, like I said, my dad was a coach. So telling coach and your dad, I don't want to do what I've been doing for 10 years that I love doing, that was like, that's hard. So I think that was probably it. Those Those moments definitely stick out in terms of, one where I walked away for a bit and one where I felt like I never wanted to play again after losing that final. But you go and you make another one the next year and, you know, you, you crack on. So that's definitely the lower points. The highlights, there's been a few. I think I'm, I'm lucky to say there's been a few. I mean, we'll talk about Mill Lane, but this last season with Mill has been unbelievable in terms of finding that love for football again, playing more regularly again. Because university, you don't play as many games. Whereas now you're back playing every Sunday, training every week. You're with your mates, having a few beers. Like, it's exactly what English Sunday League football is. So, 
that, that, that was huge. And then two, so like Maz says about scoring goals, two goals that stick out when we were at school, we had the house football final. So my house was like notoriously horrendous at football. We had two players <laughs> who had ever made the squad or maybe three that had ever made the first team squad or the second team. And our six, so that is like, you got a big pool and just couldn't find anyone who could kick a ball. <laughs> we lost every year in the sort of seven or eight aside. And then in final year, it goes to 11 aside and matches are played at lunchtime on the Astro and everyone's around the edge watching. And we got to the final of this game. We were one nil down and we got this corner and it sort of swung to the back post. My mate headed it down and I sort of hit it like on the turn, like weak foot volley. And it's just sort of looped over the goalie into the far corner. And I just remember like people swarming on and like just going absolutely mental. And you literally felt like you were like, you know, Zidane in that Champions League final where he scored that volley. I, I felt like Zidane. <laughs> <laughs> I felt like Zidane for a good like five, five, six minutes. And then I think we won. So we won on penalties in that day. And that like, I mean, that afternoon, no work got done. Like everyone was just like so high after winning that game, like just on cloud nine. So that, that was that was up there. And I scored one as well this year for Mill, where we played a cup game. We played away against a team called OB City, uh, Milton Keynes. And it's like getting our boys to get for a 10 o'clock meet 10 minutes down the road is a nightmare anyway after they've been out, let alone when you're playing Milton Keynes away for <laughs> an hour and 20 minutes, half nine meet, or it's just, it was a state. And we were 4-1 down at half time. Our cap, uh, one of our best, centre-halves had been sent off. Uh, one of our best midfield players had cut his head open and was off and couldn't come back on, looking like Terry Butcher. And you're thinking, we've just got no chance. And then we got it back to sort of 4-3, 4-4. Um, and then I scored a goal where I just ran with it. I just got my head down and just carried on running. I don't even remember it. They got goal of the season, but I don't remember like, a lot of it, to be honest. I was just in the zone. Ran past like four or five players, scored. We won 6-4, I think. So my my granddad had passed maybe two weeks before. And I remember thinking, oh, do I take time off? Do I stop playing? Do I, you know, how do you react? And that that, that drive back from Milton Keynes, like that hour-long drive, when I've scored the winner, all that emotion, like, it was just like, that's what football is. It's like pure enjoyment, pure release. Like So I think that, that moment probably tops it, I think, recently. There's nothing better than scoring a great goal. That's that's what's coming up as. That is so awesome, and you know, it probably a lot of people listening to this podcast. Frankly, all of us like obviously hugely passionate about sport, and all of us have in our rooms, in our bathroom, pretended like we've scored this goal, pretended yeah. like we've come back from four one. So to recreate it in any form or fashion is awesome, and I'm so jealous, and I'm I'm, I'm visualizing. <laughs> I'm going to pretend like this happened to me at some point. Later this week, I'm sure. <laughs> but that's that's really awesome. <laughs> I will say, so I, I, going off that, Maz spoke a little bit about this. You've obviously done a lot even outside of football, right? Like like Maz said, you kind of worked in finance. Um, currently, you're you know focusing on a program that looks at sport more broadly than just playing or organizing of sport. You obviously you know created a team, so that involves some development beyond just playing the sport. You have to actually organize and coordinate we are obviously biased people, but we obviously see a huge value in playing sports from a young age. From your perspective, what are some of the biggest things that you've picked up from sport and starting to learn from a pretty young age that have held 
like I've, I've just held value for you and been valuable for you in other aspects of life in other facets that you kind of pursue yeah that's a great question i think i definitely agree with that sports obviously huge in that respect i think i've learned a lot through sport particularly about how you talk and communicate with other people i found that when i had my year in finance so i did a placement year in like accountancy and audit and stuff um that managers often didn't know how to talk to you properly or they would talk to everyone the same and that's just not always effective and so i I got to captain one of my teams for a year on saturdays because the coach changed and a few players left so i got one year as captain and i really learned how to talk to people differently so some people you didn't need to tell them it was a big game because they've been thinking about it for days and they were worried so you just you downplay it with them and other people would rock up late and you need to really get them going. And I think you, you learn a lot about people through team sport as well. I think that's why I love all the sports I've always played have been team, you know, cricket, basketball, football. I've never really been into anything where it's just me on my own or competing for me. I love that, that team effort. So I, I'd say, you know, I've learned so much about other people. And I think I've learned a lot about me in terms of, I know that, on my how do, I, how do I put it my 100% me is when I'm on the pitch and I'm in this state of flow and I'm competing and I'm just like it's authentic it takes you out of everything else that's going on all the all the bullshit all the background it's just like this is it let's just have an hour and it's just pure and mentally as well it absolutely lifts me I think because obviously during COVID that horrible two years or so or still going on for some i couldn't play any team sport you could go for a run or a walk once a day or whatever and it just wasn't scratching the itch i just couldn't my 5k times were getting better but i just didn't care you could go for walks with one other people and one other person i was just sort of like this is not it and then that first training session back at football where no one's allowed to go near each other but we can at least do like passing drills or no one's allowed to wear bibs even that was just like pure enjoyment so i think i've learned that it's huge um for people's not only physical health but exercise and sport in general mental health wise can be absolutely massive i think that's there's so many parts of that i, I want to cover exact same situation i mean i was obviously in a much fought, luckier situation than millions but i have the exact same experience where not being able to play or go out or there was no sports on TV for a period of time. All yeah. the sports shut down. That combined effect was just, it was, it was just frustrating and being able to go out. And I remember once the Champions League kicked back on and being able to finally go play football outside was yeah. such a mood uplifter in, in many ways. No, I was just going to say, it's a, essentially, it was COVID that was the reason why we started the podcast as well. So the only reason the three of us are sitting here and talking today is because of covid in a lot of ways because of our mental health like and connor knows this story i've said it in class as well i didn't know what to do with my life during covid right so and and krishnan and i would sit and be having discussions around this like we would talk about sport anyway we, we both would be on the call discussing the nba so, because that's the one one if league that we discuss a lot about so we discussed the NBA throughout for three hours. And then one day we were like, we should record this. And that's literally how our podcast started. Oh, you're totally right. It, we had we needed to supplement the lack of sports like everywhere else with yeah. like something, at least if we talk about it. And I also love the thing you said about learning 
to work with other people. I think when Emir Doka got hired as the Boston Celtics coach, Greg Popovich said this thing about him, which is every coach, pretty much every coach has their X's and O's. The good thing about Emir Doka is he knows how to make people click. That was the best thing about the best managers in football, right? They know how to make people click and they don't treat everyone the same. They have a different strategy for different people and working as a team makes you forces you to learn like hey this person moves like this hey this person thinks like this you start to deal with different personalities so that's such a good point to, to keep huge. in mind it's huge i mean the, the basketball thing is absolutely spot on i think look at the look at the nets now like when they put that big three together everyone went the league's done the league's finished and they've, they've literally they've all left pretty much so they will all leave maybe Kyrie will stay we will never know but no one's managed to get those pieces working and that's probably you know maybe they lacked a, a head coach or someone who could see their skills but doesn't always talent doesn't always guarantee success you need someone to to gel it together 100% it's like not a sum of the part situation at all <laughs> no, no definitely so before i before krishna asks his next question i just wanted to cover one more question uh, we've not touched upon it so you started a non league team as i mentioned millen what was the motivation behind it corner if you can just take everyone through that yeah so millen afc was born probably this time last year a few of the lads that i used to play football with knock about with when probably even going back to those those cup finals that we lost when i was 13 12 years old a lot of those lads still playing for us now i think we all we all went to uni didn't really keep too much in touch and then different groups came back mates of mates wanted to keep playing we were looking for teams and messages went around and we were like oh is there anyone that will take 11 12 players no um no one needs 12 players or a big group we tried to start a team up when we were at school a few times i'd tried it it was really difficult especially if you don't have enough heads to get involved so we started a team from scratch which requires registration forms payments treasurer secretary you know manager for more forms for match days paying a fine ordering a kit booking training pitches booking a home and away pitch paying the ref like literally just like i have huge admiration for the boys who are doing it for us at the moment because it must just be like on top of a job absolute headache um so shout out to tony mike all those boys that are getting it done but yeah we i think there was just the general consensus of like boys wanted to get back into sport back into football missed it maybe after the lockdown as well especially um and we just came together had a few training sessions played a few games and entered into a league and got a team started and registered and it's been without unbelievable ups and downs so it's been a real journey but i it just came from that that love of football wanting to play and wanting to be in that team environment that social aspect which has been huge because we probably socialize more than we played football as well so that's the best part <laughs> i was going to say and a good follow up to that is probably so you and muz you know before we started kind of told me that this is your jersey so you already have fire jersey you've already covered that piece you got a great jersey Definitely Come it's on. a good one. It it reminds me a little bit of the Germany's green jersey a yeah. little bit a little bit of that. Um so great kit already but 
even beyond that, obviously, it's incredible that you even started a team. That's super, that's really, really impressive. Are there any aspirations that you have for this team in terms of what you want to build into, other leagues you want to maybe um, get into? What are kind of some of the things you're maybe thinking of for this team long term? Yeah, so when we built the team, like any new team, you don't know how good they're going to be. So we got put into uh, like the, the bottom division where we finished third in the end. We missed out on second by a point. And we had one match abandoned where we were at seven or eight one up. And then the opposition basically, I mean, I don't want to say whatever happened, but there was a, an incident where the game was abandoned. Uh, we didn't get the points. So if we'd have that game back, we would be on our way up, on our way up the leagues. But at the moment, we're looking like we're going to be in the same division again next year. Um, we made so much progress in the Cups. Like we beat loads of sides from Divs 1 and 2, from Premier Divisions in Milton Keynes. That team we won 6-4 against were like second in the second division in like a much better county to us. So we know we're we're better than where we are. So at the moment, we're just riding the like first couple of years stage still enjoying it social life very good football on the side I don't know where it will go I mean this year we want to as the boys have called it HMS piss the league so <laughs> win the title <laughs> and um, and see where we can go maybe another cup run and just keep enjoying it man that's, that's what sport's for that's what football's for so we'll keep cracking on with that and enjoying it and if it goes somewhere, it goes somewhere. Once the hardest part is starting. So once you've got the ball rolling on that, you know, you're absolutely halfway there. And now we've got some money in the pot from registration. We've got new players coming in, a couple of players leaving. You know, it's it's nice that the club's still going. Hopefully it will still keep going for years on. And this won't be the the only season we do. We're back for next year at least. So we know we're gonna have two seasons. So yeah, the ambition is just to keep enjoying it and keep it going. The good news is with football culture in, in the England, there's never a shortage of people who want to play. <laughs> That's exactly. the one beauty. And people at high level, like pretty, like very high levels who maybe can't make, maybe not pro, but super high levels play till university who obviously want to play in a serious yeah. league. So completely makes sense. I know you got to ride the promotion relegation wave at all levels yeah. of English football. So makes sense. <laughs> exactly. Uh, so kind of another piece that you covered a little bit, I think earlier, is kind of going through adversity. You spoke a little bit about, you know, a little bit about that earlier. Can you talk, you know, from your experiences, how you sort of worked with overcoming adversity, what some of your tip, tips and tricks are and how you've kind of overcome in whatever aspect uh, adversity yeah. you've, you faced in the past? Yeah, adversity. It, it, never, uh, it never goes away for long, it seems. It's always here in some, some respect. The next challenge is always, always on us. Um, I think I, I, I had a lot of adversity at uni in terms of I've talked to Maz and my classmates quite openly about this in the past, but my own sort of mental health struggles, I had anxiety for many years. and It, it was difficult, difficult period. I was far from home and like most students moving to a new place, trying to get on with that. Um, so I, I, I think another thing with that is to not be afraid to talk about it, to seek help. I think there's especially with I mean football culture especially like you don't talk to your mates really about any of that stuff you just sort of have banter crack on always fine you know, how are you good you yeah done so yeah being open about that is is definitely important I think for overcoming adversity another thing is just to stick in you know keep going um, 
sometimes you'll feel like you've been doing it forever and you're just like i will never get through but you will get that breakthrough it's close it's just like you have to keep pushing but yeah like there's just there's battles everywhere you know there's, there's a loss there's difficult times you might lose a job you might not get the job you want you might have a bad game if you're playing sport you know you might lose a friendship a relationship whatever i think you know life isn't easy it isn't fair like it never was promised it was going to be fair it definitely isn't so just keep on keep on going as, as much as you can and you're, you're not you're not battling everything on your own i think for a while i thought i was battling things and it was just me me and the four walls and you know I'll, I'll, I'll dig myself out of this i'll get myself through it but actually other people are an unbelievable resource and if you've got good friends around you good family like like i'm grateful to have i mean this year at uni me and maz all the other boys and girls up have made up our little group our little leadership team has been immense and so valuable for our own progress development and trying to push ourselves to meet our goals so use other people because they're great most of the time just pick the right people <laughs> yeah find your tribe like you said find your tribe. find your tribe yeah moving on to the final couple of questions that we have corner msc in sport business and leadership now football skills you are big on diversity and inclusion basically your life has always revolved around sports as we've all obviously come to know but what do you think you would call corner barrett as a successful person in 15 to 20 years down the line what according to you would define your success it's a great question that's a great question there's a lot there i think um it's difficult really 15 20 years is a long time i think short term i'm more focused on getting some sort of role in professional football wherever that's analysis um diversity inclusion welfare uh health of academies is something i'm like academy athletes young athletes is is huge so something in that respect would be great obviously it's not going to come straight away i imagine i'll bounce around a few jobs like everyone else does and then find my way but in 15 20 years i want to have worked or be working in professional football i want to be impacting elite sport i want to be in a place where i'm stable economically i'm living somewhere comfortable you know just just the, the basic things that you all strive for i want to have a family you know i want to be a dad that's huge huge for me i probably don't say that a lot but like i, I believe parenthood to be like the ultimate leadership role the ultimate like way of being able to care for others guide you know influence someone else and give back that's like the the role um so even if like professionally i never got that experience having that role would be would be cool um obviously 15 to 20 years is like a long time so further towards the back end of 15 20 years nothing soon but yeah i just i just want to i want to progress i want to make change and i want to continue to help help people i think through my through university i learned that i'm naturally someone who gives out a lot to other people not necessarily enough to himself but gives always looking to help others who are in need of it not to be like oh look at me i'm helping others it's just like a natural like incline to put others first if that makes sense 
so just to use that use my experiences with that and gain more experience in in professional sport i think sport and football specifically needs you know more care more stronger welfare better support systems for players and people that put others first so i'd love to do that and obviously probably the professional football playing boat has sailed so you know that was the dream (laughs) now it's not so it'll be working for any sort of club i can get into but chelsea is obviously top of the list as per (laughs) final question corner I, i i completely agree with whatever you said there's a future leader in our midst right now in corner uh and I'm proud to say that he is a classmate because he adds so much value. But finally, Connor, you, you, yeah, you clearly aren't a person who works or does anything for recognition. You never have been that person. You're always, you've got the selfless attitude that you follow as well. So Connor, how do you want to be remembered? What's the legacy you want to leave behind? Let's just put it like the big, that. The biggest question of all to finish. <laughs> How do you want to be remembered? Yeah, that's, that's huge. I think I want to be remembered as someone who left a positive impact on people, I think. I don't know. I, want, I, went, I think when I go, I want people to look back and think positively. I'll be like, remember when? Or he always, you know, he always looked out for me or he looked out for this person or this is the impact he made. Um I think everyone probably looks for those same things, but I want to be someone who cared about things that were important, cared for other people, gave back and didn't just take from the world because you can sit back and just take a lot of things. You know, I'm, I'm privileged in the case of one being a straight white male in society. It's already, you know, a le- couple of legs up. I'm secondary educated at a grammar school. I went to a great uni. I've done a master's. Like, realistically, I'm very fortunate to be where I am. So I want to make sure that I make the most of that, um, have an impact on other people. And I want to be remembered for me, I guess, in, in a way, in a weird way. I don't want anyone to get it twisted and, you know, think, oh, you know, he was this, he was that. I want people to know concretely, like you said, like a legacy, like, when you talk about anyone who's had a meaningful impact on society, everyone knows the sort of the vibe you get off them, the, the things they've done, you know, all sort of fits a similar line. I want mine to be quite clear in that respect. I want everyone to know as soon as they come across me, they hear my name, they chat to me what I'm about. I want to be clear with that. So to have a clear legacy of you know, positive impact on others and empathy, I guess, I'm, I'm big on empathy as man knows I rattle on about compassion and empathy like there's no tomorrow but I do believe in those two values more than anything so I'll say that yeah so thank you so much for this corner it's been an absolute pleasure to have you and we've had one of the most thought-provoking discussions with you today and Honestly, no matter what, I'm all, you know we're always rooting for you. And now, just to end on a slightly lighter note, given how yeah. heavy this was. Always uh, is with me, apologies. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's not you, it's also us. We sort of poked the bear in a lot of ways. Um, now, we have this fun section that we do with all our guests. So it's the rapid fire round. It's yeah. very basic, very simple. 
it's not necessarily going to be around sports. It's just going to be different things. So the first one I'm going to go with, and this one is slightly, it's, it's not a trick question, but it's slightly to catch you off guard. Indian food or Italian food, your preference? Italian food, because I work for pizza delivery, so I can't, I can't go <laughs> I, against them. <laughs> get off the podcast, Connor. Unbelievable. <laughs> know your audience, man. <laughs> the ultimate slip up, and I've slipped up, bro. It has to be. We're, we're, yeah. we're sponsored. We're sponsored by Alan Pizza, the exactly. pizza company I work for. I can't. I can't go to be fair, to be fair, yeah, pizza's my pizza's my favorite food item as well. Not my favorite cuisine, but favorite food item is pizza for sure. So I agree with that. <laughs> Your favorite car or dream car, Connor? Oh, it was a Mazda MX-5, which is not aiming very high, <laughs> but. Um, I'd probably say Lamborghini, probably much Lago as well. Just if I get to that level, I've won. So <laughs> kicking it classic, I like it. No, yeah. and I like the MX5 because it reminds me of Need, Need for Speed. Need for Speed. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> okay, the next one, your favorite or dream holiday destination. Uh, okay, let's go. Cool. Let's go with favorite first, and then your dream. My favorite so far was Barcelona city weekends like exploring the city so good but i really want to do brazil like rio de janeiro it's like something i've had on my list for ages but like never had the balls or the courage to do it and the money probably as well like i'm a student brazil's far away um so brazil's on the list for sure i'm getting that ticked off fun fact well my girlfriend lived in brazil for two years so if you want tips you know who to reach yeah, out to <laughs> great link <laughs> um your bucket list item oh bucket list anything item. just anything that you want to knock off your bucket list um i'd say i want to go to america and watch an nba game or watch a king's game which probably <laughs> will be easy because no one wants to go watch that <laughs> but that's been on my bucket list since I started watching basketball, I was supposed to go to America and then it got cancelled because of COVID and I've been back. So go watch the Kings lose to any team that will play them. So <laughs> that's on the list. Let's do that together, Connor. Yeah, Rishabh's anyway in Chicago. We can try to make a trip together. Let's do yeah, it. Let's do it. The next one, and this is my last one for you, your favourite superhero. Oh, that is tough, man. That is tough. Um... See, I literally spent the summer watching um, like Avengers and all that all the way through. I think probably Iron Man is up there, but also Spider-Man as well. The new Spider-Man was so good. So Spider-Man's up there. Recency bias, but he's up there. <laughs> Fair enough. Perfect. Okay. I, I don't know if Halloween's as big in the UK or not, but favorite Halloween slash fancy dress outfit you've ever gotten on? Into? Oh, <laughs> this is bad because I've done so many bad ones. I actually... <laughs> Halloween is just like awful for me because every time I get roped into doing like a big group thing, it's awful. I went as the worst one I've done. We went as the Teletubbies once when we were like seventeen or eighteen. <laughs> like not even remotely scary, but it was terrifying for everyone else. So that that was definitely the best, but also the worst. Go. I hated Teletubbies. I it was I was creeped out by the Teletubbies. <laughs> yeah. Clowns, Teletubbies. Don't get. Don't show me clowns right now as well. I'm running. <laughs> I know. Yeah. I mean, we have to ask the all-important question. Which Teletubby were you? What color Teletubby? 
which one was I? So there was, <laughs> oh, there's only four, isn't there? But there was loads of us who were all like mixed up. Can you imagine like 12 or 13, like six foot plus Teletubbies walking, walking down the road? <laughs> the most terrifying thing ever. Yeah. I think I might have been the red one just out of, <laughs> out of pure luck, if I can remember. But yeah, that was a messy evening for sure. I think at some point we have to plan a prank on Mars that involves these bringing back these six words. <laughs> <laughs> I'm running. I am running. I will run faster than Usain Bolt at that point. <laughs> Guarantee. So, so we covered dream place to visit. So I'm going to switch it up a bit. The other thing you talked about, basketball. Favorite basketball player? Favorite player? Steph Curry. Steph Curry is, is the man for me. I think just like when I started watching it five, six years ago, Steph was winning championships, going off, shooting unbelievable amount of threes. And I, cu- I couldn't play. So I was just in the, you know, in the school playground, shooting from 30 feet, hoping one will miraculously go in, thinking I'm Steph. So Steph, definitely, man. Steph, Steph's the man. Got it. Fair enough. I'm glad you didn't name a Kings player. I would have been shocked if that had <laughs> yeah. happened. <laughs> There's no one good enough to be a favorite player on the Kings. <laughs> um, okay. Most overrated actor? Oh, that is tough. Oh, no, it's not. The Rock. Because The Rock just plays himself <laughs> every time. Great answer. He, does, he literally just gets cast as the big macho man and he pretty much just plays himself every time. So has to be him off the top of my head. That's a good pick. I would not have thought of that one. That's a really good pick. Okay, something or someone that makes you cringe. Oh, that is, that's tough. Something or someone that makes me cringe. I'd say something that makes me cringe is when someone goes like over the top to really like get involved in a conversation, like kill a joke, like really like break in and it just goes like down like a lead balloon and no one laughs. And then you're sort of just like, oh, that was horrendous to be involved with. Even just seeing that, it's just like, oh, bad. Or even like more recently, so Maz will know at, at uni we do loads of presentations. When it's going badly and you're presenting and you like stumble your words, or even worse when someone else stumbles their words and you're like willing them on, but like they just get worse and worse and worse. And you're like, oh, it's just you have to look away, man. It's horrible. Totally agreed. I was gonna say that the first part is probably 60 to 70 percent of my life, but I totally <laughs> agree. <laughs> We've all been there all the time. <laughs> Unavoidable. So yeah, I, I that was just I I felt like we had more, but and we could have also tested Connor more. But anyway, for the purpose of the fact that we can't have a lo- an episode longer than an hour, we will have to cut it short here, Connor. Sure, sure, <laughs> but thank you so much once again. It's been an absolute pleasure, Connor. It's a pleasure to know you. It's a pleasure to have you on the podcast, and I'm sure just you sharing your story so authentically is something that people will appreciate. Thank you for your time once again. And to all those watching, listening, like, share, subscribe, comment, you know the drill. Reach out to Connor if you want to learn some epic football skills (laughs) (laughs) or or if you want to join their team potentially, if they have slots, you can always check it out as well. Uh, We're always welcome. Yeah, you can hit me up and I can connect you with Connor again. Thanks so much for your time and we'll see you all next week. Take care. If you like this episode, make sure to leave a like and share it with anyone else who might be interested. You can also subscribe on any social media platform that you prefer and all our links are in the bio. 
We also have a website with all our episodes as well as blogs and a whole lot of other sports content so make sure to check that out as well.